This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. We're certainly glad you could join us today. Well, state legislatures have recognized the need to protect people who have structured settlements. And today on Ringler Radio, we're going to focus on that by talking about the newest law on the books on the issue, and that's the California Structured Settlement Protection Act. Before we do that, I'd like to welcome my colleague and co-host, Jim Early, from Ringler's New Hampshire office. Uh, Jim's been a member of uh, the Ringler Board of Directors for a number of years. He's also a member of National Structured Settlement Trade Association. And recently, Jim, you've been appointed the Ringler Eastern Regional Director. So congratulations on that, Jim, and welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. I'm glad to be here. Well, joining us today to talk about uh, the California Act is our special guest, Attorney Peter Vidola. Peter's from the law firm of Seiger, Gefeller, and Laurie in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut. And Peter's practice involves a wide variety of uh, different issues, and he handles a lot of uh, litigation uh, along the way. But he also contributes to a blog called the Secondary Insurance Market Blog with his colleague, Catherine Scanlon. And it's a very, uh, this blog is very uh, informative, and you can find it at secondaryinsurancemarketblog.com. So welcome to Ringo Radio, Peter Vidola. Thank you, Larry, and thank you, Jim. Very happy to be here. Great. Well, let's start the show off by discussing the whole concept of factoring. Uh, actually, what is factoring, Peter? Explain it to our audience for those of them who uh, may not be familiar with it. Well, structured settlement factoring is when a structured settlement annuitant or payee who is uh, entitled to receive payments in the future decides that they would uh, be interested in selling off their rights to the, those future payments and instead receive an immediate lump sum from a factoring company. And of course, it's a discounted lump sum from the factoring company. Sure. It's a, and I, in the past, I know it was a very significant discount on some of those. Um, some of those. <laughs> and sometimes still a significant <laughs> discount. Yes. Um, Peter, what, what are some of the basic reasons why regulating uh, the factoring market became necessary? Well, there were a whole host of reasons, and some of those had to do with uh, abusive practices by factoring companies, and we just mentioned the high interest rates that some of them were charging. Um, and by that, I mean, these are structured as sales of rights, but if you treated them as though they were loans, the interest rates, well, I can remember one news story saying they were up to 80% which is just uh, amazing. So some of those abuses got the attention of state legislators who said, we've got to do something about this. And now we have Structured Settlement Protection Act. Well, let's talk about that. First of all, the California statute has actually been around since 1999. And it's been revised a couple of times since then. But the most recent revision makes some pretty extensive changes. And for the first time in any of the 47 states that have Structured Settlement Protection Acts, we have more detail in the statute about what courts should look at when considering the best interest standard. Do um, uh, 
do other states have uh, this type of legislation? Why is California's unique? Well, it, yes, other states have it. And, and as I mentioned, uh, 47 states do. There's only three that don't. But California's really, it's, it's been unique. They've had some unique provisions all along. And now they have even more that sets them apart. Um, I'll give you another example. Uh, they have uh, provisions in their statute, and they've had this for a while, that say if the factoring company inserts in their contract with the payee um, or annuitant some types of provisions that really are, are unfair or unconscionable, um, those provisions can mean that either, well, it was that the contract was void. Now, the revised version says those provisions are void. So, those are additional protections for structured settlement payees or annuitants. So, it sounds as though the California legislation has some teeth. And is it more stringent than some of the other states? Absolutely. There's uh, really a great deal of detail in the California legislation that doesn't exist in other state statutes or doesn't exist kind of in the same way as in California. And, and by that, I mean uh, those prohibited provisions. There's only one other state that has that, and that's New York. But New York doesn't have the requirement that says you've got to give notice to the attorney who represented the individual at the time that they entered into the structured settlement. Okay, Indiana has that, but California, you know, so California now has that. And so we've had, you know, a whole list of things that California has that maybe appear elsewhere, but really California is unique in, in the Sounds list. Sounds like you've taken the best of all the other laws and kind of put them into yours and try to strengthen uh, what you have out there in California. It, it really is the, the one state that has the, the greatest sort of litany of protections. Well, you know, factoring is an issue that concerns a lot of us. And yet, you know, one thing some people hear from time to time is, why is the structured settlement industry, why do they care so much about the factoring issue? Uh, the, settle, the structured settlements are, are put into place and these claimants are getting their benefits. Uh, should the structured settlement industry care that those individuals may go off and factor those, uh, those life insurance uh, annuity benefits to these factoring companies? And, and the bottom line is um, there are times when they don't care. It's really up to them. But there are other times when the factoring companies... Uh, in the past have not complied with the laws. And still, to this day, there are times when judges look at attempts to uh, factor structured settlement payments under structured settlement protection acts where the courts say, you haven't complied with the statute or you're violating some other court order or you're violating some other law. And in those cases, it does mean something to the insurance companies, just as it does sort of in the overall picture of sending messages to the judges, to the courts, and to the general public through, say, advertising and that kind of thing. Well, after the break, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about how a specific case might work before a, a judge in California today. One of the best provisions, I think, of the new law in California is that the plaintiff's lawyer, you mentioned it a while ago, the plaintiff's lawyer must be contacted and provide some information to the judge. Tell us about that feature and how important it is in this new new transaction. It's, it's true. It says if the... Uh, if the factoring transaction takes place within five years of the establishment of the structured settlement, then the attorney who represented that individual uh, has to receive notice. And it also goes into some detail about, well, they don't have to do anything, but they can. And there are times, and I, I've seen them, where a, an attorney will get involved and say, hey, wait a minute, there's something that that judge should know about all this. And, and sometimes that they'll 
provide some information to the judge. No, I don't think those plaintiff attorneys are being paid for this uh, function. Is that right? Uh, well, it'll depend. There may still be an ongoing relationship. Usually there is not, but that, that's, so that's- So they come in almost on a pro bono basis to help their client who they helped get through the litigation process to get a, an award or a settlement to try to prevent them from dissipating or, or doing doing the wrong thing potentially with the factoring scenario. That's right. And uh, there, there actually can be some other considerations such as, uh, well, maybe there were kind of confidentiality provisions in, in wow. at the time or uh, other things as well. Well, it's cool. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break right now, but when we come back, we're going to get into a little more detail about this new California Act and really how it's protecting at least California annuitants. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio. Legal information, trends, and topics from Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Wrangler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 140,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $20 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. This is Ringler Radio. Celebrating three years on the Legal Talk Network with topics important to the legal community. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Ringler Radio. It's free. Did you know the number of listeners to Ringler Radio doubled in 2008? Thanks to our loyal listeners and welcome to all our new listeners as well. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you joined us. I'm joined here with my Ringler colleague, Jim Early from New Hampshire, and also attorney Peter Vidola, partner in the law firm of Seiger, Gefeller, and Laurie in West Hartford, Connecticut. Well, Peter, what effect uh, has the down economy had on factoring? Is that is that provided an incentive for a lot more of these annuitants to try to get cash, or have the factoring companies been preying upon that in some way? The, the uh, bottom line on that is the factoring companies themselves have had trouble getting credit. And so the number of factoring transactions in 2009, uh, from the anecdotal evidence I've heard, has uh, not been as significant as in past years. And what we're seeing, I think, and this is maybe as much theory as it is fact so far, is an upswing now that the factoring companies are getting a little uh, better financial footing. And yes, the individuals, uh, the structured settlement annuitants uh, who are in tough straits because of the economy are uh, in a situation where, yes, there's uh, there's factoring companies who want to do deals and sometimes they're questionable. You know, it's tough uh, for a person under some financial difficulties and strains to be sitting there watching TV late at night you know, wor- worrying about all that, having a monthly check on an annuity coming in, and then see that ad that says uh, it's your money, take some cash, and uh, I can I can imagine how uh, the pr- they need protection from that kind of uh, incentive. And I, I I can assume that the uh, fact that we've now got legislation in forty seven states is that the legislatures and the judiciary are taking a position that it's important to people for people to know what their rights are uh, in in a factoring transaction. That's right. And uh, it, it's it's something that, yes, has gotten the attention of legislators in those states and the judges as well. And the judges have been um, what we've seen, um, at least little by little, getting more serious about their role 
in terms of the gatekeeper of whether the transactions go forward or not. Larry mentioned the advertising, and I think anybody that's watched more than an hour or two of television in the last uh, few years has seen an ad for factoring, and it's your money, and I want my cash now. How does that play into the, the factoring transaction and where we are today? Well, you will find, um, I'll, I'll illustrate that by an example, uh, the transaction where the annuitant is 18 years in a day and has just gotten the right to do something about that and is very vulnerable to that type of advertising. Uh, and it really um, can involve uh, some persuasion of individuals who maybe it isn't the best idea to do a factoring transaction and they're persuaded to uh, consider going forward. Well, you know, uh, one of the statistics I heard was that in the past, judges didn't really have the full flavor of information. They were getting the one side of the information, really from the factoring lawyer and the claimant themselves who really wanted the thing to take place. Tell us now, give us, walk us through a, a transaction. What would happen today if uh, an annuitant in California wanted to have a, a factoring transaction? Who would hire the independent counsel? Who pays for the independent counsel? And you talked before about the plaintiff attorney being notified. How does all of that work in this new new in this new uh, phase of uh, sure? Uh, well, the, some things have not changed, so they still have to go before a judge to get this approved. They still have to provide notice to interested parties, although exactly how that's done is uh, has changed somewhat. Um, they uh, are under an obligation. I mean, the factoring companies are under a, a, a duty to pay for the independent advice up to $1,500 worth of independent advice for a, a payee or annuitant if they want advice from a lawyer or an accountant as to their factoring transaction. Um, and then the factoring company has an obligation to file their papers with the court. They have to give the court certain documents. Uh, and then this new version of the statute has this list of 14 or 15 factual considerations that it says the court shall consider. And the information uh, that the court shall consider includes information about whether these individuals did any prior transactions, uh, whether there are any court-ordered child support obligations. And there's quite a lot of other information in there as well. What, what, are, what are some of the others that uh, the court would look at? Well, one interesting aspect uh, with the new California legislation, again, unique to California, is uh, the court is to consider whether at the time that the structured settlement was entered into, there were ongoing medical needs and whether there are there continue to be costs for those ongoing medical needs and uh, what the effect of the factoring transaction would be on that. And that's, I think, an excellent example of Protection Acts doing what they do when they have that information. And typically, annuitants, when they approach a factoring transaction, have a reason to tell the judge why they think they need that money. And, and, and what does the judge do with that information? Does they, do they check that out or is it just accepted at face value? Uh, it depends on the judge. And that's, you know, there's been criticism of the Protection Acts. Uh, I, I think at the, the bottom line is the Protection Acts do provide protection. But again, it depends on the judge. Some judges, they will only hear from the factoring company uh, attorney, uh, but other judges will make sure that there's um, some testimony from the payee. They may question the payee. I know uh, in, in our home state of Connecticut, we have judges who essentially have a list of questions that they will make sure they ask every time. Um, and 
that uh, once they've uh, you know been satisfied that yes these, these are legitimate reasons. So for example, if they did not have any medical issues anymore, and that was an unexpected result, maybe they expected to, and things turned out better than they planned. Uh, a judge may say, you know, uh, this is uh, something that's in your best interest. And you could understand how that might work out that way. Well, during the course of uh, this new legislation in California, what role did the factoring companies play? Were they helpful in the process or were they kind of fighting the, the issue? Uh, well, I'm sure there are folks who know the story of this legislation better than I, but the 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 timing is that there was a, a, a series of significant uh, California appellate court cases. They were pending during 2008 and into 2009. The legislation, uh, a couple different versions of the legislation were proposed during the pendency of these appeals. The appeals were decided, uh, they, they were Structured Settlement Protection Act cases, uh, very unfavorable to the factoring companies at the trial court level, reversed on appeal. So, factoring company got the result they want, but there were some unanswered questions that the appellate courts uh, didn't get to in the, their opinions. Uh, some of this really reflects kind of what those uh, cases were looking at. And so, for example, the trial courts uh, focused on, were there prior transactions that you weren't telling the court on? And now we have legislation that says you've got to provide the court with information about prior transactions. You know, Jim, uh, we deal with this every day where we give these uh, annuitants these long-term payment benefits, and yet the factoring companies do do play a role at some point with some of these people because obviously, if if there was never any cash component in the annuity in, in the uh, settlement, that sometimes they're strapped. So one of the things that I think we've done in in the past with the structured settlement uh, uh, process is we always try to give the claimants some cash, some liquidity. Before uh, before we lock them into, let's say, an annuity. I think when I was a, a relative newcomer to the uh, industry, and I hate to think of myself as now being an old timer, but I remember one of our seasoned players by the name of Ken Wells. Mm -hmm. You remember Ken sure. spoke at a at a National Structured Settlement Trade Association meeting, and the advice he gave to all the young brokers was make sure you put enough cash in the settlement. And the reasons for that are more important now than they ever were. And that's an ex it, the, the factoring issue is a prime reason why we need to uh, make sure that the liquidity is, is liquidity is a piece of every settlement we do. Exactly. And of course, you do realize the reason that cash had to be put in there in the past, and that was so they could buy a car. <laughs> or, or, or a new kitchen cabinet. Or a new kitchen cabinet. Well, in protecting consumers out in California, though, uh, Peter, what message is the new California law sending to not just the factoring industry, but to, let's say, as you mentioned, the, the judges all around the country? How, how are they all going to be reacting to this, the element of this new law? How are they going to be able to fix what they have out there and what effect it's going to have on the future? Well, as I said uh, earlier, the, the really striking part about this is that uh, list of information uh, and factors that the court should consider under the new uh, statute that says shall consider, and here's a list. And that's what uh, I would think would get the attention of a lot of judges. Uh, do they have that information? And uh, the fact is, not just in California will judges pay attention to that. And we've already seen some judges in other states say, hey, wait a minute, uh, I, heard, I just found out that there was a prior transaction. I just found out that there are ongoing medical needs. I need more information before I can even make this decision. 
Well, I think you've just identified a seminar subject for judges' conventions around the country, Peter. You're going to be a busy man. I think that's going to be good for you. What final thoughts can you give our audience on uh, the way that the uh, legislation was actually formulated? Was it uh, Again, I come back to this. Was it a more of a cooperative sausage-making technique, or, or was, it, was there a lot of uh, acrimony in the process? I think uh, at the end of the day, it became cooperative because I, I think while the factoring companies had their uh, preferred version originally, um, they, I think, were fine with the end result here. Um, there are some questions about uh, what all this means, and maybe we'll end up uh, hammering that out. I, I did have uh, the first uh, California appellate case decided uh, under the statute was one of mine years ago, um, so you never know. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I think uh, NASTA and uh, the Trade Association got behind this legislation because it, it improves the statute, and I, I think that's a, a good result. Well, that's good. And of course, you all know the the law that always is in effect, no matter what else is going on. And that's the law of unintended consequences. And hopefully we won't have that in this case. So, uh, Peter, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, they can contact me at my law firm in West Hartford, Connecticut at uh, 860-760-8419. Uh, or feel free, they could check out my blog. You mentioned it, the Secondary Insurance uh, Market blog. Um and those are probably the best ways to get cool. in touch with me. Jim, how about yourself? Um, available in my office at area code 603-423-0055 or through the Ringler Associates website. Great. And you should know that every Ringler radio show can be downloaded directly into your computer from uh, ringlerassociates.com or from legaltalknetwork.com. In fact, you can even download it onto your iPod. And as you're walking uh, on your morning uh, constitutional, you can listen to the dulcet tones <laughs> of Peter Vidola. All right, well, for the rest of you, go out and have a great day, and thanks again for joining us on Ring Radio. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. <laughs>